Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Glad you are with us. Hope you're having a good day. And uh, we'll try to uh, give you some information to uh, keep you up to date on what's going on. We're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Also get a planting report from East Central Illinois. And we're going to talk about infrastructure with Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. And we'll get the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That's what's coming up on today's program. But we're happy to start things off with a look at the news. Todd Neely with DTN joins us. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Good to be here. Hey, let's convene once again another session of Ag in the Courtroom because so often uh, that's where we find some key events going on that impact agriculture yeah. right in our judicial system. Um, I know you're watching closely, as are many, the case on Prop 12 in California. And again, for those not familiar, that's their proposition out there that requires producers in other states to uh, yeah. meet their California's production standards before anybody else can sell into that market in the state of California. Obviously, that's a precedent. Um, it's yeah. primarily focused on right now the pork industry, but it could have far-reaching implications. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Today we've got oral arguments before the Ninth Circuit. Uh, in particular, the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau are uh, presenting those arguments today. And you're right, this is a massive case. Uh, we've had many states get involved in this. We have 20 states arguing in, uh, against the proposition. And I think we're going to hear today just uh, just how serious this is. Uh, you know, the Constitution supposedly protects um, states from being regulated by other states in this way, in particular industries. Um, and when you read this law, when you look at what it's done, it does impose upon uh, the pork industry across the country. If you're going to import into California, uh, sell your products there, you're going to have to comply with their law. Uh, you know, and it's not entirely in pot, you know, not entirely out of the question. We see states enforcing different laws when it comes to imports and that sort of thing. But uh, this one in particular uh, requires pork producers to make uh, significant changes to their operations and to comply with California. And uh, this case is going to, you're right, it, it could it could affect not only pork, but it could in the long run affect other livestock uh, producers. Sure, and you could even further than that. I mean, if they can do yeah. that with pork or an ag product, they could obviously do it with something else. So we'll watch that one closely. Meanwhile, uh, we're watching uh, the defense of the E15 rule. The rule EPA said yeah. E15 can be uh, sold year-round, but that's being challenged in court. Yeah, we had oral arguments yesterday uh, in the D.C. Circuit Court, uh, and what really what this is boiling down to is whether a court is going to come out and uh, make a ruling against a product that's already being sold across the country. In fact, it's expanding every day. Uh, you know, we've got states enacting state laws expanding E15. Uh, so there, it's, it's really interesting that these arguments are coming before a court uh, on a product that's already been out in the market. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really it's really kind of in a way it's, 
kind of sort of unprecedented because normally, uh, you know, these courts take on cases that, uh, you know, may have something to do with, you know, preventing something from happening or challenging something that can be easily reversed in some way. And this is quite the opposite. This is a well-established product and growing. Yeah, and even though there are those that criticize it, I mean, it's really not a safety pro- uh, issue. It's it's a protection of market share when it comes right down to it that the oil industry is fighting for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of been that way since day one of the RFS, you know, back to 2005. Uh, you know, the industry, the the oil industry has fought tooth and nail. You know, they they want to maintain their own markets, you know, and it's it's understandable to a point, but there is a law now that, uh, you know, biofuels has to be a large percentage of, of the fuel supply. And uh, here we are, you know, we're 15, 16 years down the road with the first establishment of the RFS and still battling the court over markets. And that's really, you're right, that's what this is all about. Yeah, so we'll watch that one closely. Meanwhile, on the ethanol front, you have a case in Nebraska with all kinds of problems with an ethanol plant there. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, Mike, we talked on your show about this previously. In Mead, Nebraska, there's a plant that has had a whole lot of problems. Uh, you know, they face, uh, in fact, they've pretty much shut down at this point because they've got a lawsuit ongoing from the state. Uh, you know, it's a real environmental disaster. You know, they've... Uh, had toxic water spills. They've had, uh, you know, tons of distillers grains that were treated, uh, that were made with treated corn seed from fungicides, insecticides. And now it appears that that company, Alt N LLC, they're, they're going to try to back out of this thing. They're going to try to close down their business. They're looking to sell off um, a 30,000 head cattle feed yard that's adjoining the, uh, the ethanol plant. In fact, you know, we talked about this. This plant years ago was... Uh, was conceived as something that, you know, would be quite environmentally friendly. I know there was talks about building more of these types of plants next to cattle lots, uh, you know, using manure and those sorts of things that to, uh, to power the ethanol production. And, and now here we are, we're at a point where people in that community are really concerned that this company is going to try to get out from under clean up the, the mess that they've created. And we point out again, uh, that's an outlier. I mean, that this isn't Absolutely. happening with other ethanol plants that we know of. It's it's, it's a partic- an individual case here. Yeah, it really is. You know, we there have been other plants across the country that have used this type of seed, but they, uh, you know, honestly never got to this point where uh, they weren't able to manage things properly and that sort of thing. That's why this is such a big story here in the state is that, um, you know, it really has, you know, it's a small, small town, and it's created a real, a real problem. You know, years after, a lot of people in that town thought this was going to be a real economic, you know, engine for the community. And meanwhile, the uh, Biden administration is now trying to sell its infrastructure plan and uh, how they want to pay for it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much pushback they get. Yeah, Mike, you know, uh, there's so much talk about raising corporate taxes and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know in the long run how that's going to affect agriculture, but you're right. Uh, there are some things, not only in this infrastructure idea, uh, but, you know, the, the USDA has a proposed budget uh, from the Biden administration uh, that would be a good thing, you know, raising raising funds to conservation and those sorts of things. But you're right, this infrastructure bill, is going to be quite uh, quite fought in Congress, and I think 
in the long run, it's just it's really about how it's going to be paid for. This is, I mean, we're talking more than two trillion dollars in infrastructure. It has a lot of good stuff in there uh, for rural America, but how it's going to be paid for is really uh, really going to be a hard fight. Yeah, there are things in there to like, but there are a lot of things in there to be concerned about as well. Yeah. All right, Todd, as always, good to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, we'll talk more about the infrastructure plan a little bit later with the president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. But up next, we are going to talk markets, and we're going to talk about planting progress early on. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joins us right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Okay, need a little more. Too much, little less. Just about got it. And that's what it's like figuring out nitrogen. But with my field nurture from FS, your crop specialist can help with expertise and a vast array of tools to manage nitrogen all season. You'll get a plan for the right source, at the right rates, at the right times, and in the right place to maximize ROI. So talk with your FS crop specialist to learn more about My Field Nurture. Right there. Perfect. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. 
Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Now we're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. He's in East Central Illinois. Matt, thanks for joining us. Are you back in the fields yet? Uh, we're going to be in the field today, I believe. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where uh, we didn't get as much rain maybe as a lot of folks did. I mean, heck, I only had three quarters of an inch at the most. So, uh, as dry as what we were, that kind of soaked in pretty quick. And so uh, we're just uh, ready to roll again. We'll see what happens. I know it's a little chilly, but uh, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, you know, uh, I guess where we're at, we're maybe not going to be as cold as what some of your listeners are going to have to be experiencing. Right. You know, I can remember a time when it was pretty much uh, get the corn in and then get the beans. So that That's really changed now, hasn't it? In some cases, beans going in before corn. I'll tell you what, Mike, we haven't planted a kernel of corn yet. So, uh, you know, uh, the thing for us is that uh, uh, we, we, we've been starting with beans the last couple of years, and it's worked really good for us. Uh, we've actually uh, uh, had a lot of success uh you know, uh, in, in, uh, basically planting early beans, as far as the yield's been concerned, it's just been fantastic for us. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think most people, uh, seem to uh, be in the same uh, camp. I, I feel like most universities are telling us that's what we need to be doing. And so, um, you know, I definitely seeing a yield benefit there. And I, I think it's something that I want to continue doing because it sure has worked for us, you know, from a financial perspective the last several years now. Yeah, it's been an interesting change in that over the years. Could that lead maybe to more bean acres as farmers out there planting beans? Used to be we'd say, well, if the weather's good, they're planting corn, they like to plant corn, they just keep on planting it. Maybe now that's beans. That's a great question. And I think that, uh, you know, there's no question that uh, uh, that that could very well be the case. Once you're hooked on and ready to go and the ground's working good, it's Sometimes you don't want to switch, you know, and I think that's part of the rationale that they always use that producers want to plant more corn. I know the U.S. producer likes to plant corn. I fully well understand that. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, the way this market's running, as far as these corn's been concerned, we've actually uh, uh, made that ratio a heck of a lot more attractive towards corn here lately. Uh, now, this morning's a little bit different story with Nova up 13 and these corn up 4. But uh, regardless, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that are probably taking a look at corn still and saying, hey, that doesn't look too awful bad. So it'd be very interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think there's as many acres to grab a hold of between March and June as maybe what some folks are throwing out there. But there's no question with profit margin, you're going to at least pick up some acres. Well, we've uh, kind of breathed a sigh of relief that China is still making purchases. Always kind of wonder about that, but uh, so far they are. Yeah, I mean, the big question, I think, uh, Mike, is are, are the Chinese going to take all their corn shipments? And so we already know they've, uh, you know, bought a heck of a lot of corn. The big question is, are they going to take it all? And so uh, with the with the situation that we've got right now, I think the Chinese are going to take all the corn. We just don't know if they're going to take it in this marketing year. Uh, for me, most of that corn was bought a long time ago at a significantly lower price. And if you were looking for cancellation, a lot of times it's whenever it was bought at a higher price 
and the market's mm-hmm. fallen. And so at this stage of the game, it's highly unlikely uh, that they're going to want to let go of what appears to be a really good purchase, especially uh, considering they've been burning through way more corn than they've been producing in the last four or five years. Didn't have a wonderful crop last year, and we saw them auction off a lot of their own reserves. So i got to think that they're going to want this corn. We know that the Safrina corn crop in South America is behind, and they're kind of under the gun. How do you see that impacting the corn market this year? You know, I talked about this a little bit on, on Market to Market over the weekend. You know, the, one of the main things that I see for this corn market and saw for this corn market coming into this week is that uh, dryness in South America could really uh, provide some uh, major lift for this market. Uh, whenever you see the Safrina crop, it's already late. We know the dry season uh, could catch uh, the end of the uh, growing uh, cycle for this crop. Uh, you know, and then actually we turn off hot and dry. And so it's definitely been dry down there. The forecasts are for dry weather. And I think whenever you couple uh, the dryness down there uh, with some of the dryness in North America, particularly in the northern plains, I think there's a lot of folks that are very concerned uh, saying, you know what, we don't have a heck of a lot of room for air this year. And at this stage of the game, it sure looks like the weather's trying to throw a monkey ranch in. We're talking with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Speaking of weather, I mean, it's been so dry in the Dakotas, and now I know in North Dakota they're they're getting precipitation. It's snow, but here they, you know, they're dealing with cold and snow now. Uh, so the challenges continue in that part of the country. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, anytime you're dealing with that this time of year, it's a little frustrating. We know actually the weather was better. Uh, you know, just a couple weeks weeks ago. I mean, this has been an interesting spring for sure. Uh, you know, in my part of the world, uh, same thing with you. Uh, we're talking lows, you know, in the high 30s for next week, but still there's several of us that are going to go ahead and roll. I think no matter where you're at this spring, uh, the weather has been uh, less than ideal, uh, but we're still dry. And anytime you have a dry spring uh, as a whole, you know, uh, across the Corn Belt, anytime you have a fairly dry spring, uh, you're typically looking at that being a really good thing for you uh, to get a lot of acres in the ground, first of all. And, and most of the time, getting a dry spring gives you the potential to have a really good crop, you know, planting the dust or bins and bust type thing. Some are concerned we're going to run out of soybeans this year. Are you concerned? I don't know that we're going to run out of soybeans. I think that we're going to increase our imports just a little bit. Uh, you know, I fully think that we're going to see just a little bit of beans uh, here and there, maybe coming into the southeast, uh, whether beans or bean meal. Uh, regardless, we're going to be getting soy products uh, because I think that regionally speaking, we're not going to have enough beans. Uh, you're going to see some basis levels that are going to open your eyes. Uh, we just heard about uh, beans right here in our part of the world uh, uh, you know, it wasn't a posted bid, but it was over 50 over uh, for old crop beans. And I think that just goes to show you, even right here in Illinois, uh, there's a heck of a lot of shortage. And so uh, I think if you're in an area where there's not a whole lot of beans available, you're going to be uh, actually the price maker this year. What do you see for the markets? I want to get your outlook for next year. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Mike. If you, if you take, for instance, the 1352 the USDA posted last week, you got to use that as your carry-in for next year's crop because that's what you're asking about. We also have to use 91.1 as acreage. And so with 91.1 as acreage for the May report, uh, 13.52 is your carry-in. The interesting thing is you need a 180 yield 
to be able to keep your carry at 1352 for next year. And that's using the USDA's uh, demand numbers from the Outlook Forum. So uh, at this stage of the game, we definitely need more acres because there's definitely no guarantee that you can see a 180 yield. I mean, that's a pretty high mark to try to attain. Soybeans, 120 yield. Uh, you look at the acreage, you know, at 87.6, that doesn't work. I mean, I, I can tell you a thousand times over, that does not work. And so, you know, in that situation, uh, we we understand that the bean market probably needs to rally and, and buy more acres. Has it already done enough? I mean, that remains to be seen. But uh, you're looking very tight situation for next year. And I think an even tighter uh, situation that we're, than what we're seeing for this year unless you just have an absolute monster crop and can somehow find a way to get to maybe 90 million acres. Kind of interesting, a, a little tug of war here. I mean, the government wants more uh, land in conservation programs, may even spend a lot of money to, to get that at a time when markets are wanting land in production. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Well, you know, essentially, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I think that there's a large push for uh, conservation programs, but at the same time, you better be able to come up with some awfully good payments whenever you're looking at uh, uh, corn and bean prices at multi-year highs. And so, you know, I just don't see, uh, I don't see those things winning out. Uh, anytime that you see really good profit margins, Principal crops planted in totality across the country are going to go up. That's just the long and short of it. So, you know, I think that you're going to see a multitude of different crops that are going to have plenty of acreage, uh, whether it's corn, beans, uh, spring wheat, cotton, winter wheat, obviously picked up some acres, milo and sorghum. I mean, everyone's trying to participate because this demand is just uh, fantastic right now. Yeah, supposedly, uh, you know, government officials always acknowledge that farmers want to plant for the market right so the market says plant absolutely i mean that's exactly what's going on right now and i think it's going to be going on for some time all right matt good to talk with you and uh we'll check back in and see how that planting goes uh good luck getting out there and get those beans in thanks a lot absolutely thanks for having me mike all right matt bennett with agmarket.net joining us from east central illinois as he said they look to get back into the fields uh, today. All right, a lot of discussion about this infrastructure proposal and what's in it for infrastructure and other things, and, of course, the cost of it, paying for it. We're going to talk with Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. How does he look at this plan and any concerns that he has about it? That's coming up next right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day, our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Crop markets are now in the price peak that we anticipated before planting. Traders are worried about tight supplies, cold weather, and dry conditions in the western half of the nation. Traders credit dry weather concerns and a fresh round of overseas buying for the wheat market peak. The only market not in a peak is soybeans. In fact, meal is giving us the first day of a buy signal. South America is heavy into harvest and spec funds have not been as active buying soybeans for several weeks. Soybeans on the Board of Trade trading higher. The May contract up 23 at 14.12 and a half cent. The July contract up 20 and a fraction at 14.05. May corn trading 13 and a half cent higher at 5.93 and a half cent. The July contract up 12 at 5.78 and a half cent. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract up 21 and three quarters at 6.51 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat May up 20 and a fraction at 6.05. Minneapolis spring wheat May up 15 and a fraction at 664 and a fraction. Cattle appear to be in trouble technically, but fundamentally there is good reason to believe the recent weakness of futures will be temporary. Hogs are in an extremely overbought market. It is unclear if current cash is significant to cause traders to aggressively buy back into the market Wednesday. On the Board of Trade, June live cattle trading 12 cents higher at 121.05. The August contract up 10 cents at 121.02. For feeder cattle, the April contract down 87 at 140. 41.57. The May contract down a dollar at 146.35. For lean hogs, the May contract a dollar 27 higher at 106.20. The June contract up 97 at 107.12. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 186 points. The Nasdaq Composite up 22 points. The S&P 500 up seven. The U.S. dollar is trending lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
The Rebuild Rural Coalition is made up of more than 250 organizations. And joining us, uh, one of those groups is the president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, Todd Van Hoos. Todd, good to talk with you again. A lot of discussion about uh, President Biden's infrastructure proposal. Uh, A lot of conversation about what's in it beyond infrastructure and certainly a lot of discussion about how to pay for it. Uh, What are your thoughts on the plan as it stands uh, initially? Well, good morning, Mike. Nice to be back with you again. Uh, Look, we welcome the proposal. I mean, I think anybody out there in rural America who drives on the roads and crosses the bridges and tries to get something to market knows that infrastructure has deteriorated over the years. and We've just not made enough investments to make that trip from the farm to the market uh, a smooth one. Uh, everything from roads and bridges to highways to ports to, you know, the infrastructure, agriculture certainly needs to, to be competitive in world markets. And so we, we welcome uh, President Biden's proposal. It's a great starting point. Um, it's got a lot of good things in it for, for rural America. Uh, but, but as you said, there's a lot of stuff in that bill. And, and the question in our minds, at least right now, is how do we get a good, solid rural infrastructure bill passed through Congress? So the question is then, can you get a more targeted approach, more focused on actual infrastructure and, and not all these other things? That would also reduce the price tag of it because there's a lot of concern about whether it's raising the corporate tax rate or whatever it may be to pay for it. Uh, could that offset the gains that are made in, in the infrastructure improvements? Well, I, th- I mean, everybody, and it, <laughs> we, we all work in agriculture, right? We don't like taxes. Um, uh, and, and, and that's certainly a big consideration. Uh, when you look at some of the benefits of the bill, uh, you, you've also got to consider some of the costs, right? I mean, this, none, nothing's free. And so we're, we're urging all of Congress to take a bipartisan approach to this, to work through those details and, and get something folks can live with out there. I, I think there's a, a deal to be made. I hope there's a deal to be made because the needs in infrastructure, especially in rural America, are, are tremendous. We're talking with Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, talking about the proposed infrastructure plan. But I guess the question is, do Democrats feel they have to have uh, uh, support from the other side? Because do they feel they can get it through without bipartisan support? Well, Mike, that's a great question. I I think it's going to be very hard. Um, listening to Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema, others in the Senate uh, who are urging bipartisanship, I think it's going to be very hard to pass this bill without any any sort of bipartisanship. And, and we, we certainly encourage it because we think it'll make the bill better um, and it'll certainly make it passable. And, and that's the important part here is to get the infrastructure investment needed. Um, but, but I think it's, it's a very complex political calculation to figure out, can you just do this with Democrats? I'm, I'm not sure they can. And, and frankly, I'm not sure the president wants to, I I think he would welcome some bipartisan cooperation on this. We'll, 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 we'll all push for that. Um, but you know, you know how Congress is right now. It's pretty tough to get bipartisan cooperation. It feels like in a way, and this is part of selling a, a plan politically, is you put enough in there that it appeals to enough people that if they like the part they like enough, they'll overlook the parts they don't like. Is that 
kind of the approach here you think they're taking to to try to get this whole thing pushed through? Yeah, build a bigger Christmas tree, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that or if it's, look, this is a good starting point for negotiations, and, and what do we need to add? What do we need to subtract? What do we need to modify as we move forward? You know, the thing that gives me hope, honestly, is, is, is President Biden's record in the Senate. Uh, he knows how the Senate works. Um, he's got a lot of friends up there on both sides of the aisle. And, and I'm sure there are conversations going on out there. So that's, that's why, at least at Rebuild World, we're calling this a good starting point uh, for those bipartisan negotiations. And, and hopefully, you know, reason will prevail and, and good, you know, well-intentioned people on both sides can come together and try to pass something that's very important. What we're telling people is, is look, we understand all the politics of this, but let's look at the reality of what rural America is facing. You know, deteriorating infrastructure is impacting competitiveness of U.S. agriculture. Um, you know, there's shortages of health care and broadband and housing and water all across rural America. And, and those needs need to be addressed irrespective of the sort of partisan jockeying back and forth that's going on. So we've got to find a way to get past that and get down to the, to the real, real business of legislating. Yeah, there's been talk of trying to break it into pieces, and maybe then yeah. you get closer to a true infrastructure bill. But I'm sure for those wanting all those other things, they think, you know, that's why you have the Christmas tree approach. You attach on to something you think is going to pass to get what you want. Does this create at some point a line in the sand, a, a point of uh, <laughs> a, a deal breaker for agriculture? As much as agriculture wants and realizes the need for these infrastructure improvements, if it's going to have all this other in there with the price tag that raises taxes and things like that, I mean, does agriculture stay with it to get the infrastructure, or do you think agriculture will pull its support at some point? Well, I think that's what we're all looking to see. I mean, uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, nobody jumped out and endorsed this entire plan uh, right off the bat because, as I said, you know, it, it's a good starting point. Let's, let's get after some negotiations uh, on both sides. And and it's hard to envision a, a a an effective infrastructure bill that doesn't have a revenue component, right? I mean, you you've got to find a way to pay for some of this stuff. Certainly understand that, but but we've also got to look at, uh, especially in agriculture, what's the balance? Um, you know, we we desperately need some infrastructure improvements out there, but but boy, our balance sheets and our income statements on the farm can't take a lot more pressure. And so I think we've got to find the, the you know, the, hopefully the, the much vaunted middle ground on this and get something done. How receptive have administration officials been in discussions on this to uh, to some of the changes that are being sought and, and proposed? I think they're they're listening very closely. You know, our, our coalition Rebuild Rural has had a lot of discussions with the administration and with key leaders in Congress. Um, focused on, look, look, don't forget agriculture, don't forget rural in this, and, and by the shape of this bill, there's a lot in it for rural, so appreciate the, the Biden team for putting that in. Um, and so I think we'll continue to advocate right, right until this bill starts to move. I, I think we've got a, a good role to play, and I think people are listening carefully. I've, I've been very gratified 
that in almost every discussion we've had, whether it was with the Biden transition team or now the Biden uh, White House team or uh, the Republicans on the Hill, the Democrats on the Hill, all of them have acknowledged the unique needs of rural America. And so I think that's a great achievement uh, because so many times in the past, infrastructure bills have been about highways and roads and bridges in urban America and, and rural America in a lot of ways has been left behind. And so I feel pretty good about our standing right now to get some things that we need in rural America addressed. What do you see as a timetable on this? We've heard about somewhere around the 4th of July. Can it move that quickly? I, I, boy, I tell you, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, something before the August recess, congressional recess, maybe. Um, but if you're really going to buckle down and, and, and negotiate on this, it may take longer than that. And so you could be looking at the fall even. Uh, you know, when you think about a bill this big, e- even if even if you trim it, right, it's still going to be a big bill. Um, it should take some time. You know, we've got some time. And so hopefully, if not July 4th, sometime after the August recess, say September. Putting your financial hat on, um, with all these spending bills that have already passed and others that are being proposed, how concerned are you about inflationary uh, pressures uh, coming and uh, being, uh, you know, an unintended consequence of all this? Well, the, the, those of us who have been in agriculture for a long time, we're always focused on inflation, right, and always focused on interest rates because we remember how tough it was, uh, you know, a generation ago. Um, and so we're very focused on that. I think, you know, you you got you can't look at, at, at long-term spending increases uh, that we've had across the last, let's call it, 25 years under Republican and Democrat administrations. Uh, and and not worry about the mounting debt. I, I think more Americans should be looking at that and asking members of Congress, look, what, when are we eventually going to address some of this? Because it can't. The trajectory of this is not sustainable, and and so we've we've got to find a way to get back to a a more normalized operating environment when we're paying where we're paying for more as we go. Yeah, uh, there's a lot at play here that impacts not only uh, short-term, but certainly the long-term picture uh, for this country. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. A lot at stake. Todd, thanks for the update and perspective. We'll stay in touch with you on this, okay? All right, Mike. Thanks. Okay. Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, the Rebuild Rural Coalition. I tell you, it's, uh, there's a lot at stake here and a lot to look at, a lot to consider. So tempting to finally get some much-needed infrastructure improvements, but at what cost? How, what could it cost us in the long run? That has to be considered. Well, in the meantime, farm equipment sales, they continue to improve. We'll get the latest numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That's next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. 
First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. In your everyday business operations, there are endless things you can't control. Fuel prices don't have to be one of them. With the Average Price Contracting Program available at FS, we can provide you with a way to reduce the uncertainty of fluctuating fuel prices. It's a smart and convenient way for you to know what your fuel costs are going to be so that you can enjoy a little peace of mind. The Average Price Contracting Program at FS is just one more way that we can help take your business further. Contact your FS Energy Specialist today. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. 
So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Each month, we get the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. And Kurt joins us now. Kurt, I'm assuming uh, as the strong commodity prices continue, so does the uh, upswing in equipment sales. Are those two uh, going along together, both moving up? Well, historically, the price of corn is directly related to the uh, sale of equipment and honestly kind of the stock prices of a lot of ag companies in general so uh, so yes in answer to your question that is uh, that is absolutely the case and we look at those uh, march numbers that just came out that is that is uh, proving out in fact as well well let's break it down a little bit to what areas are we seeing the most growth in well so first before we kind of look at the march numbers specifically we have to kind of put those in perspective uh this time last year equipment sales shut off for about two weeks. So we look at year over year and month over month, we have to kind of take into perspective that March was a pretty soft month last year uh, in, for equipment sales. However, year to date, we're seeing kind of growth across the board. Uh, still continues to be driven by small horsepower tractors, under 40 horsepower tractors. But I'll tell you what, there's some nice strength year to date in 40 to 100 plus horsepower tractors and uh, even articulated four-wheel drive tractors kind of across the board we're seeing strength and as you mentioned mike that has a whole lot to do with strong commodity prices and and the promise of a good crop and all of the sort of the the fundamentals in the market that sort of point to a pretty decent um, uh, ag year for 2021 and even uh, you know for the next couple of years in the future you mentioned a year ago. I realize the pandemic is not over yet, but when you compare where we are now to a year ago, I mean, it's like uh, night and day. I mean, how far we've come. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I distinctively remember talking to some uh, some of our members uh, in you know, March 20th, if I recall, was the date where uh, uh, one of the guys said the order bank absolutely just stopped. I mean, they there was two week period where there were no no equipment sold, and if you look at the at the uh, you know there's going to be a blip that's going to follow us for a long time. But March 2020 is a really soft year. Now we came back really strong, if you recall, last year in April. Uh, so when we're seeing these strong numbers in March uh, for this year, obviously they're above the five year trend, and they're significantly over where we were March of last year. But I look forward to really looking at the uh, the April numbers and the and the May numbers tractor sales to really kind of get a, 
a better indication of where we are with this uh, with this average year to date. Because I think we're, you know, in a couple of more months, we're going to get a get a sense as to uh, how far above the five year trend we actually are, rather than looking at this on a month by month basis. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm pretty optimistic, and our members are pretty optimistic as well. Because as we've talked about before, big investments when uh, uh, a producer. They not only have to feel pretty good about the way things are right now, but how they feel they're going to be in the foreseeable future. Absolutely. I mean, a, a farmer doesn't you know, buy for one year. They buy for multiple years. And when you're talking about a piece of equipment that's approaching a half million dollars for a combine or articulated four-wheel drive or certainly a you know, quarter million dollars for a new, new you know, high-tech tractor, uh, you don't you don't expect to expense that in one year. You expect that to machine to last you a number of years, and you've got to put that over a number of acres to justify that investment. So you're absolutely right. This is not just an indication of how farmers feel about the current crop year, but also about you know where they think their operations are going to be in the next couple of years. And again, I think there's obviously some questions about you know what. Uh, what the future is going to hold from a, from a trade standpoint, from a regulatory compliance standpoint, from a food security standpoint, all of those questions continue to be out there. But at the end of the day, everybody's got to eat. And uh, farmers are in a pretty important spot uh, in the national dialogue right now, uh, both with the, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, feeding the world, but also, uh, you know, have an important role in, uh, in the sustainable future. So you look at a lot of the uh, conversations that are happening uh, with the current administration, pretty interesting. And farmers are being talked about in a very positive way. That seems to bode well to uh, overall farm attitudes and also should seem to bode pretty well for the overall farm economy for years to come. Looking ahead to harvest season, how are orders uh, coming in for combines? The combines have just really continued to be fascinating. I mean, the, the uh, right now we are year-to-date about 15%, a little over 15% above where we were this time last year. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a good number because, as we mentioned, combines are pretty expensive. Now, that has a lot of – there's a lot of things that go into the combine, um, you know, number. One of it is, you know, you've got to – sometimes it's just time to, to invest in new combine uh, because you need to make sure that that uptime is guaranteed – but also, there's some pretty neat technology that we're starting to see really, you know, take hold at the, at the farmer level where, where farmers want to take advantage of some of these really neat, uh, neat new combines that are, that are making a difference on a, on a farmer's operation. Plus, as you look at sort of weather uncertainties as we've had over the last few years during harvest time, I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of operations that uh, may have thought they could get by with one or two or uh, uh, combines maybe needed to add another one just because that harvest window begins to be a little bit more, uh, um, you know, compressed. So we, you know, we, we certainly see that combine market continuing to, to be strong. And I'm looking forward to that too, because again, that's, uh, you know, that's where the money's made is that, uh, you know, obviously you want to get a good crop in the field, but you got to get it out of the field if you're going to sell it. So that's where we like to see that combine market uh, continue to so, show some nice signs of life, uh, you know, for the last, you know, a few months anyway. All right, Kurt, we'll talk to you next month and see what the April numbers tell us. But uh, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Mike. 
Take care. Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers as we see ag equipment sales numbers continue to go up. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Have a great day and join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.